with chocolate treats mixed into dark chocolate ice cream, the Tillamook Chocolate Collection is a chocolate game changer because the thing that pairs best with chocolate is more chocolate. Tillamook Chocolate Collection Ice Cream. Extraordinary dairy. Who doesn't love a classic chocolate chip cookie? Famous Amos has been making them since the 70s, 1975 to be exact, with semi-sweet chocolate chips and a satisfying crunch. It's everything classic in one bite-sized cookie, and fans couldn't get enough. That's right. You'll find our original recipe, the one you know and love, in every bag of Famous Amos original chocolate chip cookies. Find Famous Amos anywhere you buy your favorite snacks. Hi, Eric here. And before we jump into this week's episode, I have some great news. On Sunday morning, July 5th, my daughter Eve was born. Here are some of our first sounds. Eve and her rock star mom are both super happy and healthy. But as Brittany and I mentioned, I'll be taking some time off from the show to spend at home. But don't stress, because we have some amazing guests lined up for you in the meantime that we're really, really excited about. Um, Just an FYI, this week's show was recorded before those events. Before we start the show, here's a quick story about Eve's first few days in the world. We decided to breastfeed Eve, and these first few days have been really stressful. In addition to the first couple of uh, sleepless nights and you know all the traditional things that come with uh, being a new parent, um, we've been wondering if Carla was producing enough milk in the first couple of days to keep Eve happy and healthy. On her second night at home, after a really, really fussy day, she got near unwakeably tired, uh, more so than we've seen in our first few hours in the world. Her mom, my mother-in-law, and I grew increasingly worried. We battled back and forth on whether or not to call the pediatrician or 911. I felt on the brink of a heart attack, just worrying if she was okay. Uh, At mom and Google's suggestion, we decided to pump some milk into a bottle and pour it into her mouth. It took what felt like forever just to get a few drops. Eve let us open her mouth, and these drops slowly trickled down the cup after The longest pause of my life, she swallowed. It seemed anticlimactic. Did this do anything? Should we still call a doctor? Do we need more? Just before despair, she did something I'll never forget. Still in a rock-hard sleep, with eyes pressed seemingly too tight together, she smiled. The biggest smile she's ever smiled. Bigger than someone three days old should be capable of. So big that I thought in a second we would be graced with her first laugh. Too soon, though, she slowly relaxed back into whatever newborn baby dream she cooked up. But we knew she was okay. That's one of the top five moments of my life. That's my girl. Growing, smiling, healthy. I'm now her dad. Back to the show. I am Eric. <laughs> I'm Brittany. And we are... For Colored Nerds. For Colored Nerds. Which is uh, the conversations that black people have when white people aren't listening, except we record them. Yes, yes, yes. We do record them and play them for everyone. Yeah. Um, so, today we're going to talk about dope. <laughs> Do- or, or, as could be called, could be a subtitle even, 
for Colored Nerds, the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Somewhat accurate. Somewhat accurate. Uh, So, we went to go see Dope. Last night. Uh, Last night, it was... It was an experience. It was. We had fun. We had fun. Well, I mean, I go to the. Mo- I'm gonna be honest. Movies cost like sixty or seventy dollars in New York, so I go to the movies twice a year. The last movie I think I told you. Last movie I saw. Yeah. Was Selma. Last movie I saw before then was Beyond the Lights, and like the last movie I saw before then was Oh Wait. I, I actually think I only go see black movies in the. I'm old. I'm like yeah. an old Jet Magazine black person. <laughs> um, and then I saw. Best Man Holiday. So I've seen approximately five movies in the past three years, and they were all black. But I haven't been in the movies with you yeah, in we, forever. Well, I try not to go to the movies with you. Because I talk too much. Because you talk a lot. But, you know, that's fine. I usually go with my ace boon, uh, John. Yeah, but oh, John. John has, John has moved on. So I'll settle for you. He makes it sound like he's died. John's I mean, he's in Chicago. Die. He's in Chicago. But I'm just saying, like, you know, he's not here. We can't go to the movies. That's true. Um. So, yeah, I usually go very often. Yeah, you do. This week was weird, though. We decided to go to Kipps Bay. Um, I had these, like, <laughs> random tickets. Oh, yeah, Kipps Bay for people who don't live in New York. Eric and I live in black parts of town. And Kipps Bay, well, my... In black parts of Brooklyn. Black parts of Brooklyn, specifically. And Kipps Bay is, is, is like, white yuppieville. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it used it didn't used to be that way, no, but it's kind of no. evolved into that. So, yeah. like, you walk down there, there's a lot of, like, white women pushing strollers. Yeah, and lots of Chipotle. Lots of, like, yoga clothes and, um, like, spray tans a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's just a really interesting place. It's like. It's it's actually, it's not interesting is actually the, <laughs> the best way to put it. It's actually drier than, like, the Upper East. I think Kips Bay is corny. Yeah. I mean, Upper East Side. At least they got fair. money. You know what I mean? They got a Gossip Girl. There's one good bar in Kips Bay that I've been to. I what is it? I can't remember the name. This is it the bar, with the Christmas trees inside, and Jamaican food. Oh no, that's no. further up. That's further. Yeah, up. I, I don't remember the but name. Of it. But anyway, I remember going like and having having one of those nights that's hazy to remember in Kips Bay. <laughs> but anyway, so anyway. we went to <laughs> the Kips Bay Theater. Interesting enough, when I went up to purchase the ticket, I was like, "Can I get uh, two for dope, please?" <laughs> and he was like, "Oh." You're the first person to buy a ticket for dope today. <laughs> and I was like, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, I feel like everybody was in like Jurassic World or yeah. something else. I don't know. I don't know what, you know. Yeah. Again, you I, just established. I don't know what movies are. I read I read about the movies all the time. Like I typically actually will like read reviews. I just don't. I'm not made of money. I mean, I get the cheap tickets. So actually, I don't pay them. You know what? I actually have access to the cheap tickets. Yeah. I don't. I am. just got to get together. I know, I know, I know. It anyway. just takes some forethought. I know. Anyway. Well, also, I don't have, I'm going to be honest, I don't have anybody to go to the movies with. Iman hates, I have one other friend aside from you, and she hates going to the movies. I could go by myself, but like, it's more fun to go with somebody else and sit there and be like, what the fuck is this shit? Which is what we did last night. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'll <laughs> go with you in the future. We can think about it. It's like, you don't, I don't, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you, God forbid you experience any pain. Uh, but yeah, back to the movie. So mm-hmm. dope, dope, uh, directed by Rick Famuyiwa. Yeah, Famuyiwa. Yes, good I job. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, directed by Rick Famuyiwa, who is known, well known for me for the wood. But me he's too. also done some. He's other done some stuff. other stuff too. And uh, this was very much. I don't know. It felt a lot like not necessarily a rehash of the wood. It wasn't a rehash of the wood, but it was mm-hmm. definitely you know that high school experience like i went to see the the wood i think it was in high school um What's, yeah like, i think the the wood i don't know out? i think that woman maybe you were in high school i might have been in the eighth grade because you know there is a slight age difference with us <laughs> thank you thanks for reminding <laughs> me uh sorry that your marriage and your baby didn't remind you that you're old as fuck 
<laughs> but no, so I, I, I say it reminds me of The Wood because it was one of those movies that, you know, you saw, like, in high school. It very much was kind of like, almost like a quick coming-of-age story. Like, yeah. And it was definitely a a new take on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, like... I'll say this. Like, we had, like, there was, I'd say the middle hour of the movie was so much fun. It was, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was excellent. It was pretty good. Like, the pacing was super fun. Like, I was into it. I was laughing. I was like, they had convinced me to go, like, to suspend my disbelief a little bit and go along for the ride. Yeah. But there were some flourishes in different points in the movie where I would look over at you and you would just be sitting there like with like your hand, in my, my like head, your in face, my hands. yeah, your head in your hands, or like you know I'd be leaned all the way over with like my whole side of my face on like one palm, yeah. just like I think at one point I told you I never felt so much like an old ass right? lady. Right. I, t- I was just like, what? Yeah, like, I mean we openly cackled like three or four times. But interesting enough, I feel like some other people had the same reaction because they definitely you mean openly were, cackled at inappropriate points. Yeah, yes. in the movie, yes. like not when not when a something. Joke yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, like it was, it was an experience. I want to I want to start with talking about like the actors' performances. Like, well, they, well, you should actually we should give people an idea of what the movie is about. <laughs> sure. Right. Well, actually, actually, you know, what? let me actually take it back a little bit. So, dope. I actually started hearing about there was one shot of the three main characters. Yeah, and Diggy, Jib. Malcolm, and Jib, right. I think we, you'd seen probably like an IndieWire or Shadow and Act like in yeah. the blogosphere. Whatever. So like I said, I don't go to the movies, but I read about them. And I love reading about um, film festivals and what's yeah. hot there. So I knew that Dope was backed by Pharrell Williams and uh, Mimi Valdez, and formerly of Vibe. And Diddy, yeah. And so like, I knew it had some weight behind it. It looked really cool and stylized. I love the wood. Like, we all love the wood. Yeah. You know, macking and hanging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I love the wood. I, I was a fan of Rick Famuyiwa. And then um, so I was like, OK, this sounds like like this looks like it's a pretty good combination of things. Like, and like also, too, I want to say that hype about dope was starting to build as shit. What is that movie called? Dear White People yeah. was like in theaters. And also like we had an interesting moment with black film last year. And so like to see this new contemporary like teenage caper coming out i was like all right i think people were like really really ready for it so like at sundance it performed exceptionally well and i want to say that there was like a bidding war i can't was yeah it went for i think seven million which is pretty good for for sundance i think it was a i think it was a record maybe so i don't know maybe uh top five might might have been more I think top five was double digits. It was twelve or sixteen. I can't remember. We can look it up. Dope sold yeah. was sold for. It a did well. Yeah, it, did it really. It well. did really well at Sundance. The hype was building for it. Also, too, I think it off it offered an alternative narrative and an alternative look yeah. to what a lot of times what we see young black people in the news right now. It's rarely them kind of like hanging out with their friends and having fun. So like, I think we were all really hyped for Dope. It was about it's basically about you know this kid Malcolm and his two friends, a young woman. Diggy and another brown friend of theirs, Jib, growing up in uh, the Bottoms, which is like seems like a, a rough Projects part of in yeah, Inglewood. yeah, Inglewood, you know, rough part of Los Angeles, like the Los Angeles area. They end up in this crime, romance, drug, teen caper kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and sort of have to figure their way out of that. Totally, I think that's I think yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So coming back, <laughs> coming back into it, and yeah. the performances were also really good. I think that like the reviews were great. Actually, the reviews. It's right now. It's at like ninety percent on Rotten I know. Tomatoes. Uh, I read some reviews. I read some reviews too. I'll say this, and we can get into this later because I know we're gonna get into this later. A lot of the reviews, I felt like, well, they were done by like kind of old white guys. Yeah, totally. So it's kind of like 
what do you fucking know? You know what I mean? Because I even felt like we talked about this. Like I felt like age wise, I'm like I have my opinions on the film, but I'm I'd be really interested to hear from somebody who was like 18, 19, yeah. 20, 21. Because it was clearly written for for kind of that demographic. Yeah, for that age group in which we've Seniors clearly aged school. the fuck out of. Yes, I graduated from there ten years ago. <laughs> so yeah, no. So like I felt like a lot of the reviews were out of touch. Yeah, I agree with that in hindsight. But initially, mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, you read a whole bunch of reviews. Like, yeah. it's got a, some amazing buzz. And yeah. You're like, let's go see the movie. Yeah. So we go see the movie and definitely want to start with the performances. The, por- the, the performances. The performances were, in my opinion, really, really good. I agree. Shemek? Is that how you pronounce it? Shemek. Shemek Moore. Shemek Moore yeah. did an excellent job as Malcolm. He was adorable. Yeah. Like, he really kind of tapped into that. I, I appreciate it. And a few things about the writing, I appreciate it. Yeah. But I appreciate it. <laughs> shade, how, the shade. Was, was, was that shade? Go ahead. Finish it. Anyway, no, I appreciate it how in many cases he was kind of fumbling. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Lot, I, we forgot to mention these kids are super fucking nerdy. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they are the geeks. And, you know, they definitely they try to flip the, like, normal teenage cast system that, you know, we're used to in movies about, mm-hmm. like, high school. Yeah. And in this case, you still have the geeks, you still have the jocks, but you also have the gang members and yeah. you know, things like that. And yeah. So, you know, new take. Black, black take. Black yeah. take is a new take. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. but in this particular case, uh, Malcolm, he's a geek. He's really smart. They establish that he wants to go to Harvard. And in spite of that, usually in those types of movies, you, you know, those people are like, quick-witted but also like just like a little too on top of it mm-hmm. but i appreciate it in a like in quite a few places they had him kind of fumbling like he definitely wasn't as sharp in some spaces as he thought he was yeah um which i thought was really good like especially there's a there's a scene with asap rocky was also fucking oh excellent. my god asap <laughs> rocky was so good like genuinely so good and he was so charismatic it, it was like within I'd say a second and a half of him talking like obviously ASAP Rocky and I met him in real life and he told me that I was a strong intelligent black woman because I attended Howard University on full scholarship <laughs> um, and also he uses Moroccan oil products in his ha- well you know what I can't speak too soon because actually he and I sometimes we share hairstylists levels really? yeah sometimes know. yeah sometimes me and Small him world. and Azealia we share and my mom and my sisters and Iman we share hairstylists but when I met him, this is before I want to say he started working with my hairstylist. He was using Moroccan oil products. He has flawless skin. Like, he's a super handsome guy. When he came on the screen, it, what was interesting is, like, I know him as ASAP, but he still was able to step enough out of himself in yeah. a way that I just saw him and I was like, who is this, like, like who's this handsome guy? Like, yeah. who's, like, this handsome, charismatic, like, kind of, like, young drug dealer? And then I was like, oh, it's ASAP. And then I was like, oh, he's good. Yeah. He was he was excellent. Yeah. But going back to that scene, so in that scene, like, he was interacting with Malcolm. And, like, the kids are definitely, like, stands for 90s culture. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he kind of called them on that. And Malcolm really couldn't come up with a really good reason. No receipts. Yeah, like, of why they... Were so obsessed with the 90s. Exactly. (laughs) So, I mean, I thought that was really good. It it showed, like, how in high school you think you're just fucking there. Oh, you think you're murdering it. You're like, I'm killing this shit daily. Killing this shit. When truly you, you know, things are... Yeah. Nah. I think that was a good way, good way to put it. But no, the the performances were really good. There were a lot of really good like comedic, uh, like bits where people who weren't in the mood in the movie like consistently yeah. just kind of came in, did their couple scenes, and got out. Yeah. 
Um, and they did a really good job with it. Sp- specifically, uh, I think you would agree with this, like Diddy's son. You oh, my agree. God. Oh, wait, yeah. I, I didn't even know it was Diddy. Well, yeah, he's Diddy's son. He's Albie Shore's son. He's Kim Porter's son. You know how we do. Um, <laughs> but let me just say, Quincy Brown, I, I'm not – normally I'm not a fan of that aesthetic of, like, that, like, tall, light-skinned, like, square jaw, kind of, like, traditionally cornally handsome kind of thing. But he was so funny. And so, like, he was really funny, and he approached it in his part in such a cool way that I was like, oh, I was like, he's really funny. And then also, I was like, he's also kind of fine. Um, But also, like, it was cool to find out after the fact. And, like, for those of you who've seen the movie, you'll understand this. It was cool to find out after the fact that, like, he's Diddy's son. So, like, it made his role, like, all – I think think it made it so, so, so much funnier. But, yeah, there were people who I never really would have imagined necessarily putting in a movie or putting in certain roles who were hilarious. Chanel Iman. Vince Staples. Vince Staples it was, had a quick cameo. It was really yeah. Good. He yeah, it was super cute. But yeah, no, I thought I thought the performances for the most part were pretty good. And I think that like I would say about the writing, you threw more shade maybe than I would. But there were points I kind of felt like, and I know you would agree with this. Obviously, you're watching it and you can tell that he's cribbing for all these people. He makes like a direct Breakfast Club reference. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like a direct Molly Ringwald reference. It's like, yes, it's not lost on me that so much of this is like John Hughesian. Yeah, yeah, like referential. But there also were points where I was just like, the tropes, my G. <laughs> the tropes. He was killing me with the tropes. Yeah. I thought, I mean, there are points at which I thought somebody was going to slip on a banana peel. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I was just like, this fucking. These tropes, you're killing me with this shit. I think the one that he relied the most heavily upon was like... It was the idea of kind of like the the nerd... Revenge? Yeah, like the nerd wish fulfillment. Yeah. So basically, if you've seen Pretty in Pink, and yeah. if you're the type of person who wanted Ducky... <laughs> like, if you wanted Ducky to get some play... Yeah. This is the perfect movie for you. Yeah. If you were several rungs below Ducky in the hierarchy <laughs> of, like, high school... This is the perfect, and, and you're still feeling a way about it. Like yeah. if you're over, uh, if you're over 21, and you're still feeling a way about how how folks were towards you in high school, this is the movie for you. And the reason why they made great pains to show that, like these kids were geeks, but they were still cool. Yeah, like their geekdom was cool. You know, yeah. in the way that they dress, they were in a punk band. Like, yes. <laughs> well, this is the thing that was funny, and like maybe. I don't know. I make fun of our age or we're a year apart. But I sense this at Howard where part of the reason why we became friends, part of the reason why this show even exists yeah. is because we were like the nerdy, corny, like weirdo people at school. Yeah. Before like – and this is – I'm going to sound super aughts and super internet age. But like before I'd say at least in D.C. I can pinpoint – there was a shift. I went to a weird party with like a bunch of like proto hipster white people in spring I think 2006. I know this party. Is this? Oh, is no, no, this, no, no. Oh, not, not no, the no, Halloween this, party. No, no, no. Although, right, right, right. that, that, like no, that was 2008. <laughs> Fight Club? Yeah. For those of you who are in DC who ever attended Fight Club, we salute you. But no, but there was like in 2006, there was like the hipster shift. Yeah. And then like a little bit after that, that was when it was cool for black kids to be weird. And yeah. like I remember it wasn't my year. I was like the year that I was supposed to graduate class in 2009. Shout out to all the people who finished late. I remember, like, the kids who were below us who, like, who graduated high school 06. Yeah. That was the first year that, like, it was cool to be, like, a nerd. I got made fun of mercilessly. But it's interesting when you talk about, like, their nerddom was yeah. cool because I'm just like, no. It was, it was like, that's, I think, maybe the generational gap that I feel with the movie. Yeah. Where I was sitting there and I was just like, you guys are, like, 
you're cool. The stuff that you're doing is yeah. cool. And they're like clearly like with it. They're yeah, I'm like y'all are clearly <laughs> fucking cool. You you have a band and like the thing that they like it was interesting that they established them as the geeks, but they never really showed the cool kids were only positioned as the like the kind of the drug dealer like criminal set. Like yeah. those were the only kids who were actually positioned as like, oh man, these guys are cool. I felt like they didn't give enough context of who these kids were within their school yeah. ecosystem. They just said, Oh, you know, we're geeks. We're geek we love white shit. <laughs> which is like a big like I just told you, like I went through I had like such a difficult time as an adult adjusting to meeting other people and having them like me because people were so mean to me and so fucking rude to me the entire time that I was in college, which is when everyone says you like go through this like deep acceptance because I don't, I'm trying to think of a way to put that. I'll put you like this. I went through that and I felt like so irritated and I had a lot of issues with Howard and I had a lot of issues adjusting to having like a social, like being socialized as an adult and talking to people and realizing that they didn't just like outright dislike me because they thought I was like really, really, really fucking weird. But like, even it within like experiencing that, I am never gonna be that person who's like, uh, people don't understand me because I'm just not like everybody else, and because I'm from the suburbs, yeah. and because I listen to white music, and because I like white shit. I hate that shit. I feel like that's a whole bunch of people who want to be congratulated for not being quote unquote like everybody else. If you're still worried about getting cool points for like not being like everybody else, like you have to get over that shit. But like that. Having lived through, like, it sucking being a black nerd, there were the people who maybe were a little bit cool for being black nerds. I was, like, several rungs below them on the ladder. And it sucked. So, like I said, I'm still never that person who's like, you guys don't understand me because I'm so cool and, like, I'm not like everybody else. I'm trying to go to college. And I'm trying to get yeah. my master's, my master's master's, <laughs> to take it all the way back to Kanye. But, like, I just, that part, yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, to to go back, I mean, I think the flip side, I didn't get made fun of as much as I was invisible and not, <laughs> uh, like, not allowed in certain places. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I definitely know that that feeling. And it, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't fun. Like, I didn't get, I didn't get made fun of. I wouldn't say I was bullied that much or more. Like, I've definitely seen more people in my school who were, like, who who got it worse. Uh-huh. Like, there were a lot of awkward conversations where, like, oh, I really like this and, you know, crickets. And, yeah. like, <laughs> yeah. and it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. And then, but once I got to Howard, the thing I appreciate about Howard is that I didn't have many awkward interactions. Sadly, I feel like because I knew my lane, <laughs> you had already been trained to say, see, I didn't have any, la- I had no, I was free. I didn't know my lane. I learned my lane real quick. Yeah. I was like, I feel like I knew like, okay, this is where I'm going to slide into this. And then, like you said, like there happened to be a shift. And then I was like, oh, okay, well, cool. Like new spaces are open. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was really great. But to go back to what you were saying, the nerd wish fulfillment and I think it was intentional that the stuff that they were trying to frame as geeky was also, like, just legitimately, like, cool and interesting. Yeah. You know, to show, like, hey, these nerds are actually really, really cool. And that's that's true. Uh-huh. And people need that sometimes. And people definitely need that. But, like you said, going back, it's problematic when you make that a point of, like, differentiation mm-hmm. and, like, you're better like there's a scene and this isn't a spoiler where malcolm is like well i'm a different type of nigga oh shit sorry i'm like and acid reflux to put this in context Uh uh-huh 
So I met my wife through OkCupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when everybody's setting up their OkCupid profile, you need to, like, you want to understand what you're up against. Yeah. I'm a different type of nigga. It's probably, like, in some f- shape or form. Whew. In about 45, 55%. Yes. Of profiles from black men on OkCupid. I would say that's also in 45 to 55% of the messages that you receive as an obviously nerdy black woman on OkCupid. And, like... I get it. You know, I want to think that I'm I'm different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I am different. I'm real corny. Like, <laughs> you know, like like whatever. But I'm not. That doesn't make me any better. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that doesn't make me any better than anyone else. Like, that is such a frustrating narrative. It, like, hits right on the head of, like, new blackness. Oh, I hate. I can't. I can't. And also, I think that was one of the things that I struggled with with Dear White People. When I saw it a year ago, <laughs> so I saw Dear White People on There's a date. There's a lost episode where we talked about There is that. a lost episode where we talked about Dear White People. I'm actually glad that it's lost. I saw Dear White People on a date. I went to an HBCU. The guy didn't. But I think that we also were both like adult people who were like really comfortable in our racial identities. Yeah. Also comfortable with all the weird shit that we like to the point where it just it's not something that we necessarily like think about that hard. So it was weird for both of us. Like yesterday, there were points where both of us were kind of just like, what the hell is going on in this fucking movie? When I saw Dear White People, there were so many points where me and my date were cringing because it was just like, there's no place for me around other black people. There's no place for me in the community. There's no space for me at this school because I love Ingmar Bergman and people don't (laughs) understand me. And I just love Robert Altman and people don't understand me. And I'm just like, first of all, chill. Yeah. Like, that's also a common young... I think a lot of times people need to calm... Like, this, this is a common young person, like, thing to feel. Like, no one understands me, blah, 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 blah. Like, chill. And that's fair. And it is fair. It's fair. Like, th- those feelings are valid. And those feelings of isolation are valid. But once you start going into the, like, you know, like, you need to make space for me because I like white shit and you need to understand that about me. You know, I'm not like the rest of these people around here or whatever. And, like, you know, that superiority kind yeah. of creeping in. The other thing I don't like about that, Melissa Harris Perry a long time ago did a talk that I really appreciated. I think it might have been, I'll try and see if I can find the link. It might have been a Michaela Angela Davis, like, Mad Free event where she's like, I get so tired when I, I think she was at Princeton for a while. She's like, I get so tired seeing these kids coming and talking to me about, oh, I was always made fun of for getting good grades and talking this way and liking this stuff. And she was like, I obviously didn't hold you back in life if you got all the way to the front. Were you talking to me? Like, <laughs> cut that shit out. Yeah. Like, I, that 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 always it's does. It's pompous. It's pompous, and it doesn't sit well with me. And I think that it's really, like you said, it's very new black, and it's very, like, <sighs> It doesn't. It just makes me feel icky, and I never like to be associated with that. And I felt like there was a lot, like there was a ton of that in the movie. And I felt like it was inappropriate. I hate to say inappropriate, but like I felt it was kind of irresponsible for somebody who's yeah. obviously over forty to kind of be espousing that. Yeah. Um, and I also felt like it. It made me stressed. Yeah. Uh, because visually, the movie was it was really comfortably on point. Yeah, it was technically it was com- done excellent. Yeah, and like visually, it was comfortably on point. Like visually, it didn't look like it was a movie that was made by somebody older for younger people. It looked, I thought, culturally fluid. Yeah, but it doesn't sit well with me that this is being celebrated as like, oh, finally a movie for like the black nerds, like the kids who are like between sixteen and twenty three, twenty four today. It's at the expense, yeah, of other types of. Black folks. Black folks, yeah. And, like, what that does is it creates the same sort of, like, exclusionary and isolation 
those that that same feeling. Mm-hmm. Like it creates that same thing with other people trying to interact with you. That's how I felt when I was watching Dear White People, and that's how I felt when I was watching Dope. I was like, we're all too old to still be in this. So yeah, that definitely sucked. <laughs> like that that sucked, and it it took me out of the parts of the film that were fun. That were fun. Like this is like I mean we're gonna take we're gonna, we're gonna take this film. Yeah, we're gonna take this film to task a bit. But I don't want that to take a, take away from the fact that this is a really like fun film. Yeah, and I'd like to see more like it. Exactly, and I, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's gonna do well. Like oh. we were surprised; we were the first person to buy a ticket in Kips Bay, but the the theater was relatively full. full. So you know that was like that was great. I feel like it's gonna do well. I want it to do well. Mm-hmm. But there are some things that we should know. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that I noticed mm-hmm. and took some issue with. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is one of the critiques I saw early about the film. Yes. Was that there weren't – there was an interesting approach to the casting for the women in the movie. I like oh, – sorry. I like <laughs> – I keep thinking that my body's going to make noise, and it won't. Basically, all of the women were, like – all the women in the film, and not to take away from, like, any of their ability to portray their character. They each did really well. Everybody did well. But everybody was light-skinned. Everybody was light skinned. All the like, all the all the women specifically were yeah. like gorgeous, light skinned women. Yeah, and hmm, I felt some type of way about that. I felt some type of way about that. I, you say more about why you feel that way? Because <laughs> I mean, you you are a lighter woman. I'll say this. Okay, so let's take it all the way back. I got a lot to say about this shit right here. I'm gonna I'm so... just gonna sip my water. Right <laughs> Your skin refuses to be defined by age. That's why Agency creates personalized anti-aging formulas that smooth fine lines, lighten dark spots, and improve the appearance of dark circles. Each formula is tailored to you and prescribed by a licensed dermatology provider. Formulas are customized with clinically proven ingredients like tretinoin, which is up to 20 times stronger than retinol. Get your first month free at withagency.com. That's W-I-T-H-A-G-E-N-C-Y.com. $4.95 shipping and handling subject to consultation. Subscription required. Cancel anytime. Life doesn't have a pause button. That's why Capella University's FlexPath learning format lets you set your own deadlines and adjust them if something comes up. Imagine how a flexible education can make a difference for you at capella.edu. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is, Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. So for those of you who really don't know what's going on, colorism, hmm. fi- like, I'm just going to say that, colorism, that's, I think you should be able to figure it out. That's what we're getting at right here. I'll also say this, because I'm sure there's going to be a couple of y'all um, super unwoke people who happen to find the show are going to be like, 
I don't know why Brittany is talking about this. She's not even that light skin. First of all, wash your mouth out with soap. Being light skin, I think, is something that's it's it's a relative term because it's different depending on your ethnicity, whether yeah. you're Asian, whether you're Southeast Asian, whether you are black in Brazil or black in the United States or black in the Caribbean, what your family looks like. It also, like we say, talk about light skin. I think light skin is, is a blanket term that also includes other things like where does your hair fall on mm. some of these racist ass, quote unquote, grading systems, yeah. which is already problematic enough, how fine your hair is or how straight your hair is or how curly it is or how kinky it is. Um, Soft. Yes, soft, good, all of those types of qualities that people like to bring up when they're talking about hair. Facial features. Do you have like a, a smaller, pointier, more aquiline nose? Do you have like a wider set nose? Do you have like larger lips? I think you look at all of those qualities when you're determining in your mind whether or not somebody is light-skinned. I think it would be irresponsible, tone-deaf, and downright fucking ridiculous for me to sit here and talk to you all today and be like, oh, no, 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 not me. I am not a light-skinned woman. <laughs> So maybe I go to another country and I'm not. Yeah. But as a black woman living in Brooklyn from Michigan with two black parents in the United States in 2015, I'm a light-skinned woman for a variety of different reasons. I also can, like, tell you that light-skinned privilege is some real shit because I didn't know that I was light-skinned until I was 18 years old and I went to college. Damn. Wow, I didn't I hadn't heard that one before. Yeah, I didn't know that because it was the first time I was around a whole bunch of other black people. Also, I will say this, because of the way our standards of beauty set up, and actually the, the casting in dope is reflective of this, if you're looking at black male and black female pairings in heterosexual relationships, and you can see this in advertising, you can see this in movies, you can see this played out in real life, you can see this if you look at um, any of the spouses of any NFL, NBA, or um, what is that, National Baseball League or whatever the fuck? Yeah. The whatever. <laughs> Major, Major League, League Baseball, Baseball. <laughs> MLB. <laughs> yeah, if you look like, at wow. if you look at any of these black players and you look at if the, if they are married to black women, if you look at their spouses, you're going to see some trends, right? Yeah. Like a man can be any shade, but a woman got to be damn near light, bright, almost white to be considered attractive. Now, in my own family, again, like I say, colorism and, and shadeism and what people what shade people think you are is relative. In my own family, my father is about the color of the inside of my palm, <laughs> and as a light skinned person, that's pretty that's pretty darn light. And my mom's on the browner side. And so a lot of the standards of beauty, like that I know that some people I learned at college, that some people grew up with in their home, maybe with a darker father and a lighter mother and, and the things that they heard and the things that they saw growing up. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to have escaped a lot of that shit. Now, still, I definitely, if I think back on it, I got cultural messages when me and my younger sister would go get our hair done in a salon. And people would remark about how people would remark openly about how long my hair was and how shiny it was and all this type of thing and talk about, oh, we had two girls come in here twins six months ago and their hair was even longer. Like I if I think back on it, I definitely got messages because of the way that I looked growing up. They were always positive. Um, So I didn't actually understand colorism until I was until I went to college. And I was finally in, like, all-girls dorm. It was very a different world. Mm. And we were all, like, in freshman composition that first semester reading The Bluest Eye, which I had read already. Yeah. But I didn't understand it. Yeah. It's a privilege to be able to go through your life and not have anybody tell you and not ever receive any negative messages outside of what I got from white people. Because trust me, the white people in Farmington Hills, shout out to the girl who, when I was a freshman in high school, told me that my hair looked like pubic hair. Appreciate you. Um, wow. Yeah, exactly. But you know, white people did a good enough job making me feel bad enough about the way that I looked. I was never really going to get that from other black people. When I finally 
got to school and I was able to like I actually sat my black ass down at one point stop being in denial shut the fuck up and listen to girls who were brown skin or dark skin and kind of like hear what they kind of heard growing up or even like girlfriends that I knew who were lighter skin but had maybe a dark father or a dark mother who then you know put some poisonous shit into the air and they were able to learn at a younger age what colorism was yeah. that was when I kind of got awakened to that I saw a lot of pushback from light-skinned women who were irritated that people called out the fact that dope had only cast light-skinned women when the men got to look a variety of different ways. They were different shades. They were different heights. They served different purposes and a variety of different roles. Even if you look at the movie, with the exception of Chanel Iman's character, who surprisingly, I think, turned on its head like a lot of the light-skinned girl, you can kind of project all your fantasies onto this person. In, like, a way that I actually ended up enjoying. To a degree. The beginning, the first part of that was really uncomfortable. Though. Yeah, like, yeah. But say more. I, we'll um, come back to that. Yeah. I saw a lot of pushback from light skinned women being like, well, you know, like, they got there because of talent and da 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 da. And even, like, from some of the girls who were in the movie themselves. And, like, I don't doubt that. I thought that they all did a great job. I all think they're beautiful. I love seeing black girls working. And I, I hope that they all have great careers and that they get more work to do as a result of being in this film. That said, like, It's like I'm tired of seeing this shit. I'm really tired of other light-skinned people, specifically in this case, I'm going to speak to light-skinned women, just fucking getting all butthurt. Like, you don't know what the the fuck it's like. If you're opening up your mouth to complain that other people are tired of seeing light-skinned women being praised and complimented and exalted for their beauty or their uh, perceived virtue or what have you, like... Read a book, sit down, shut up, listen to somebody else for a change. Like, like I'm tired of hearing that shit. I'm tired of going to the movies and seeing the same light-skinned people, same light-skinned women over and over and over and over and over again. I'm tired of hearing, I don't know if it's been established, but, like, I hang out with a decent amount of men. Um, and fortunately, like, I don't run with a color-struck group. Yeah. But um, I have known plenty of color-struck men in the past. I've dated plenty of color-struck men in the past who thought that they were going to, like, meet me and get, like, this, you know, like, kind of like what you see in the movie, these docile, kind of, like, very sweet... It's a uh, black manic pixie dream girl. It's a black manic pixie... I already had enough issue with that in the movie. I yeah. already have enough issue with, like, I'm tired of seeing the same light skin look over and over and over and over and over again. But also... You bring up a good point when you talk about the black man at Pixie Dream Girl. And, like, this is something that definitely color plays into it, but I think that you can see this across, like, black women across all shades who have particular interests. The same kind of immature men, I think, that would see dope and be like, finally, a man like me getting to win. Those are the same guys who are going to look at a woman like me and project. And you can see it in the movie. Like, uh, Nakia is um, played by Zoe Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. She's, like, this gorgeous girl from the neighborhood. She's light-skinned, obviously. And, you know, she's not like everybody else. She wants to leave. Like, it's like she doesn't really I serve. Go to college. I want to go to college. Right. Like, she's the first black woman from the hood to ever say that. But, yeah, she's like, oh, I'm different. Like, I'm, I'm tired. You're different from everybody else. And they give you no reason in the movie for her to be throwing herself at him. And then to see all the weird, like, light skin gaze things happening and then also the weird, like, manic pixie dream girl things. It's like I've experienced it in my life where people see – like I said, certain cultural markers. And then you add to that the stereotypes that come along with being a light-skinned woman. Like, I'm not sitting here trying to cry no damn crocodile tears, but the stereotypes that come in, like, where people kind of feel like you're just kind of pliable and you could just kind of do whatever and, like, you're going to follow along with whatever they say. I've experienced that, and I have plenty of girlfriends who have experienced, like, lots of dudes who are in that, like, arrested 
mental state yeah. who are just kind of like, this is the woman who finally understands me. And like I felt like I was watching that for like two and a half hours. And a part of me wanted to unzip myself out of my skin. So, sorry. It touched my light. It, it just, the movie touched all of my Why light skin nerves. hit a nerve. Yeah. Um, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't disagree. I'm not, obviously not a light skin woman. But I wouldn't disagree with any of those things. And it's it's something that I, I definitely recognize, like, and I even have to word this delicately. Yeah. <laughs> delicately. So, you know, as a black nerd. Uh-huh. I'm friends with a lot of other black nerds. And, uh-huh. you know, I've been friends with black nerds for a while. Mm-hmm. And especially at Howard, like, I mean, Zoe Kravitz. Oh. Zoe Kravitz is like. Prototype. Yeah. Like, for, good, for good reason. She, I mean, she's gorgeous. She's really talented. She's she does cool a lot as hell. A lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But, like, man, she's like peak, you know, like peak yeah. light skinned black nerd dream girl. Yeah. And it sucks because, like you said, you don't want to you don't want to take away from these like their legitimate talent. Yeah. But it's also just awkward to see how it's written with such like like this dude is struck from the first time he sees her. Mm-hmm. In addition to Chanel Iman. Yeah. Like he can't fucking function. No. Like, he looks like me on a date. <laughs> <laughs> and it's very like. It was almost from, like I mean, there's a, there's a level of like high school boy like ogling that like you know I guess is expected in is expected and is natural, but with with like that compounded with the fact that all the women were light skinned, that compounded with the fact that like Chanel Mine was like new semi nude like majority like ninety percent of her scenes yeah um, and like and like in, in a way like it I'd say that definitely in a couple it scenes worked. it worked but like when it when she was first introduced I felt extremely uncomfortable it was like it was weird like don't I mean don't get it twisted Chanel Mine's a gorgeous girl yeah like, gorgeous but it was it was awkward and it was also awkward just from the context of like knowing that a forty two year old man yeah wrote this yeah. So like that that part was really that part was really weird. Yeah, it made me honestly it made me think back to one of my favorite shows growing up uh-huh. to show how much I was kind of like ostracized yeah. uh, <laughs> in school. But it was Dawson's Creek? I was a big oh. fucking Dawson's Creek fan. You know, I seen every episode. That yeah, shit, that shit's good. And I tried like I was telling I was telling Carl I was telling my wife about this about Dawson's Creek. She she had, like, seen some. She wasn't really that into it. So I was like, yo. She got to get right. I was like, we got to go back to Dawson's Creek. I just tried to rewatch Dawson's Creek <laughs> from the fucking beginning. <laughs> oh, my God. They were, like, 14, 13. And, like, the odd preoccupation with, like, I mean, they had their own shit going because there was the Michelle Williams, like, I'm – like uh like blonde blonde hair blue eyes girl and then you yeah. had like Katie Holmes like the like oh the white struggle blonde yeah. or brunette what to do what, what do to I do? do what to do and like but like the way they like pair these kids together in such like in like intensely sexual like situations yeah. and like it was weird and it was weird not because like at thirteen or fourteen, I wasn't thinking about sex because no. because Lord knows, like uh, we we covered that. We were both thinking about that quite a lot. Yeah, but it was weird to know that like adults like projected these like intensely like adult awkwardly sexual like gazy perceptional feelings. Yeah, about these kids, and that was what really 
took me out of certain parts of the movie. Yeah, I would agree. I actually, I'm really glad that you said that because it was one of those things that just made me feel like, I don't know. It also made me think about like other movies, and maybe just maybe we're starting to notice this more because we're actually like aging out of being young adults into like real adults, and we're both kind of like, hmm, hmm like this is kind of weird. Because like, if you think about it, like American Pie, or I think about yeah. uh, Victory Blues. Or I think about uh, no Varsity Blues, Varsity Jesus, Blues. yeah. Or I think about oh shit, Fast Times at Ridgemont High with Phoebe, the scene with Phoebe Cates in the yeah. pool and Judge Reinhold. Like, Can't hardly wait. Yeah, it's kind of just like, like I get it on some level. Do you know what I mean? Like, because actually, I think the wood actually does a good job. It does it so much better. Yeah, it does it so much better. It, he like it's. I think maybe that's part of the reason why it was so hard. Because I was just like, dude, like you, you know how to do you know this how right. to do this. Like you did this so much better. Yeah, that part kind of that that older male gaze, it it made me feel definitely very uncomfortable, and I flinched at a couple of points because I was just like, "Yikes!" But then also like, it also kind of brought to mind like these are things that we're all really comfortable with. Like we're all like, regardless of the fact that like I think Nakia was probably eighteen, nineteen, maybe a little bit older than Malcolm in the movie. Yeah, and and Chanel Iman's character, I, I think it was definitely established like out loud that she yeah. was probably in her early twenties. They're still both, um, like, sexually interested in a high school age boy who is awkward. In real life, would either of these women give him the time of day? Hell no. You yeah. know what I mean? And I also think that it's – yeah, and that goes back to the nerd wish fulfillment. But also it makes me uncomfortable because they both still look so young. They're yeah. both gorgeous women. And, you know, that's the beautiful part of Black Don't Crack. But they both look so young. It made me feel kind of – I think that as a young woman, you should be able to explore your sexuality and look however you want and do whatever you want. I think that as an adult, you need to have a certain level of responsibility in how you engage even storytelling. Even if it makes sense within the context of telling the story, yeah. I think that you need to be responsible in how you show what that looks like. Because actually, a show that I think actually always did really well with that was Degrassi. Yeah. Those kids were fucking and sucking and doing the most and, and drinking all and drugging. drugs, yep. like... I know they tried to do it in the U.S. and I thought it was kind of raunchy. But those um, – or no, I'm thinking of Skins. Skins. But actually even Skins, skins was, was still also, pretty ris- – U.K. Skins, I'll say. Yeah. I was thinking of U.S. Skins, which was, I thought, a little bit raunchy. But I think Skins and Degrassi both did a really good job with, like, showing kids in those situations and seeing how they find each other attractive and stuff like that. Yeah. And without having it be – A creepy. Creepy. And, like, parts of Dope, to me, felt creepy. And that's part of the reason maybe why I'm kind of just like, yeah, okay – Another review by, like, some old white guy. Like, he's used to... It was like, oh, this is excellent, fresh, and fun. Exactly. And it's like, you're used to seeing... Like, you first of all, you're not used to seeing black people in this context, which yeah. I thought was still cool. Yeah. But you're also not... You're also so used to seeing these, like, hyper-sexualized teenage or teenage-seeming yeah. girls. And I just didn't like that. Yeah. It was... That that was really, but that's like a film issue, like at large. I would say that's like a that's a recurring theme for me, like in in movies in general. But I, it made me feel this is the first time I'd say a black movie made me feel uncomfortable in that way. Right, right. I think I think that's that's the thing. Because even class act. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know. Class well, that's a, for those of you who don't Take know it what the fuck all the way. Yes, kid back. and play. Yo, class act is a fucking classic. Mm. We go. We might have to come. We back have to, to come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like. To, there were too many, there were too many levels. Yeah. <laughs> to how certain parts of this film were really like uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah. Um, but and yeah. again, like it felt like the same way I felt with um with dear white people. And I, again, maybe it's to me a little bit more because it was more immediate. It was more age appropriate for me that that Justin Simeon, who's like in his early th- like thirty or thirty one. To have the script that he wrote when he was like 26, 27, be working out issues that he was dealing with when he was in college. Yeah. You know what I mean? That to me, I can it sort of see sense. that. But to know Rick Fahm or you as work, 
and see he already did the coming of age movie like you said so well already yeah. and for him to be even more mature now to still kind of be like regressing almost in a way maturity wise I was a little bit disappointed in that uh, so one of the other things I definitely wanted to come back to uh, this is probably my last like true gripe with the movie uh-huh. so I think a lot of the like the moral lessons were a bit heavy handed on the nose some people might say say more about that so, I mean, the last 10 minutes of the movie, I was like, I was I was losing my, I was squirming in my fucking seat. It was Go so awkward. It. I'm trying to think of the best way to do this without just completely spoiling the movie. So, I don't think it's I don't think it's fair to say that he's reassessing why he wanted to go to college and, you know, who he wants college, who he wants his his institution to perceive him yeah, as. Yeah. Totally. So, fair. he, you know, does this in this like awkward like uh narration uh, where he basically reads his college admissions essay. And it's weird because they actually have him, like, in all these different places around L.A., like, reading the essay. And, like, <laughs> it's just a, it's just the most, like, heavy-handed piece of writing I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, in a film that, yeah. like, made it to the theater? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and also, like, in black films, like, you know, it, damn. So the, I don't know if anybody has seen uh, Don't Be a Menace to <laughs> where they pop up, like, and they like message. Yes, it was literally like ten minutes of <laughs> message, message over and over and over again. Like, yeah. I was like, oh my god! But he also was heavy handed about what you could see were his clear perspectives on certain like moral issues. I'm using <sighs> air quotes, like in other parts of the film. Specifically, speak on it. I know where you're going, brother. Speak on it. He seems like Rick Famuyiwa seems to have a weird preoccupation with making it okay or exploring why it's not okay for white people or people who are not black to say nigga. Now, y'all can't see me. <laughs> Brittany got comfortable. But I know she Eric's about to in. go in, so I put like, my feet up. hold the fuck up, man. Like, look. I get it. You want to seem cool. You want to seem with it. It's in every song. The times have changed. Like, you know, like things are different now. But like, fuck that. Like, to have like a literal conversation where a college-aged adult makes three high schoolers who are people of color Mm -hmm. feel like shit. And put, like, use his position of power to justify Mm -hmm. using a fucking racial slur Slur. amongst them Mm -hmm. to their face is unconscionable. That shit pissed me the fuck off. Like, come on. I don't give a fuck about his intent. I like the guy from Workaholics. Oh, man. (laughs) I like him. I'm going to be honest. I don't normally swim in that pool. But, like, uh, (laughs) no, he can holler at me. But, like, and I don't blame him. This is clearly the fucking writing in the film. But, like, come on. Like, the power dynamics of that scene mm-hmm. were really, really fucking uncomfortable. And sure, maybe the comeback is, well, you know, and I'm sorry. I'm spoiling this scene of the fucking movie. This shit is on Instagram. I saw it already. So, Diggy is like, well, I'm going to slap you. And she does slap him after he says the word. But it's clearly done with such, like, reckless abandon and jest mm-hmm. that it almost made it seem like like it almost made it seem like her her legitimate feelings about feeling uncomfortable weren't valid. Yeah. And that is fucked up. Like, look, 
you're going to do what you're going to do. And I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking to white people right now. Okay. You're going to do what you're going to do when I'm not around. Don't do it in front of me because we're going to have problems. There are so many places that I can't go. So many fucking things that I cannot say that I cannot do because I have to be concerned with how somebody else might fucking interpret it. Mm -hmm. So guess what? You cannot fucking say nigga to me. You can't do it. You can't do it. No. And it's okay for me to do it. You better pause. And if a, if a song is on, mm-hmm. they play niggas in Paris, I don't give a shit. I'm looking right in your face and you better fucking pause. Oh, my God. I went to two rap concerts this past. Rap con. I'm so, my <laughs> old black ass. <laughs> I went to Gold Link and I went to Run the Jewels. My eyes was peeled. I was looking around. I was like, who's saying nigga? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, like, it's crazy that, like, we get nothing. <laughs> well, like, is- we get nothing. One of our own, like, freely gave it away in the movie. Just free. Because yeah. you know, you noticed that, like, there was, it was Diggy, who was a black woman, Malcolm, who was a black boy, and, and Jib. Jib, who was brown. And I was just like. And the, <laughs> see, we, we both, we beside ourselves right here. Like, and, and, and Jib. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's perplexing to me, like, how much you just have a complete disregard yeah for all the hurt that that shit can cause like intent do you know how many fucking people have good intent yeah i don't care what your intent is that's not yours no it's not and there's plenty of words that i'm not allowed to use there's plenty of words that you're not allowed to use there's plenty of words that i can use that you can't can't. use there's plenty of words that other people there are f words and c words and d words and other c words and t words that other people can use among themselves that i not only can i not use them i have no fucking desire i have no fucking (laughs) i have no fucking desire i have no (laughs) desire i have no desire to use a word that is painful to somebody else even as like a quote unquote like term of endearment, if you use that, um, that's y'all's word, and y'all enjoy using it. Live it the fuck up. Put it in your music. Say it at the club. Say it to your family. But just like I know that's that's not my word, so I don't get all fucking out out of pocket and shit and feel all crazy because that's not. It's just it's not for me. Everybody has their own shit, and don't act like cracker is the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> And he had two scenes that really reinforced it. It was a, it was a scene, you know, obviously with the white guy, and the, the white kids. guy and the kids, and then you had a scene where it was two white guys. Talking oh my together, god! Independent of any black people, that to me underscored. Or, that underscored to me, it's okay for white people to say it. Yeah, and but, like, like literally, what the fuck are you thinking, man? Well, what's crazy is that like a whole bunch of black people made this movie, so I was like, okay, Rick Famuyiwa wrote it and directed it, but then the money had to go through. A lot of hands. A lot of hands. And, like, four of them hands was Diddy's and Pharrell's. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I forgot Pharrell's categorized as new black. He has transcended. Yeah. His Um, his black doesn't have issues with that. No, his black doesn't have issues with that. If I had neon-colored, like, diamond-encrusted chains, maybe, maybe... Maybe nigga bounces off of those. Oh, that's a good point. Like maybe so shiny. It yeah, it's just bounce like light. It and just the hat. Maybe off. that's why you got the big hat. Oh, so you can't hear the slurs. Mm-hmm. That's possible. I mean, also too, like specifically as a black female nerd, and specifically as a young black woman. Again, a lot of parts about that movie made me feel invisible, um, just because none of the women really had any agency. Like even like oh, Kiersey Clemens is the name of the girl yeah. who played Diggy. Uh, Diggy. 
first of all, I think she is the most adorable. She's cute as a motherfucking. She's really good and transparent too. I've heard she's good. Tra- I didn't get that far because um, your Amazon Prime account stopped working for me. <laughs> So okay. I get that far transparent. But yeah, she's um I think she's really talented. I think she's really gorgeous. I think she's super cute. I thought she was so good. Yeah. They gave her so little to do and yeah. she max actually all I'd say the same for all the women who were in the movie. They gave them so little to do. Even Paul Lil Kimberly Elise. Oh Paul who's, who's a fucking amazing actress. Fucking amazing brown skinned woman with natural hair can't can't get a de- I knew I knew as soon as I saw her in that T D Jakes movie. <laughs> As soon as she was in Woman right. Thou Art Art Loose, I was like, it's over for her. And it's sad too because when Oprah came out and Oprah did Beloved and Kimberly Lease was playing Denver, I was like, oh shit. You know what I'm saying? I was yeah. like, Kimberly, that, she gonna be somebody because Oprah is, you know, she had her, the, the yoke of her garment. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, I just felt like even like Diggy was kind of cool. I felt like the only reason why Diggy got a pass to even be cool is because I'm not saying that any of her less traditionally feminine presentation, mm-hmm. I don't think that that and her queerness are directly correlated in any sense because you could obviously be queer and super femme and, you know, the opposite can be true. And, you know, all that shit is kind of bullshit anyway. I did notice that like, oh, I forgot even another point in time where they're trying to get into the club and she shows her breasts. I'm like, this is yeah. a 17-year-old girl. And like, People, they were so preoccupied with how masculine she was presenting. And it was yeah. just like, and like, in order for her to prove that she was a woman, which, first of all, whose business even is that as a grown ass man? Yeah. That like a grown man wrote a script wherein a teenage queer girl, queer black, young black woman had to show her breasts to prove to somebody else that she was a woman, as if that was like an appropriate question to be to ask a teenager in the first place. There were so many things where I just felt like, I guess it's a step in the right direction in that in that it's a contemporary film about black people in which like it's rare that we have those because try to think about like that's not a romantic comedy that's based off of Steve Harvey's um, life lessons <laughs> like we have He's probably got a new book dropping so. I, I know he I know he does but um, Fruitvale Station that's a contemporary movie about black people it was cool to have one where you saw black kids who were allowed to get into trouble and you know what I mean and kind of like and kind of you know do them or whatever yeah. and, and be a little like off or whatever i thought that that was cool yeah and i enjoyed that um and i hope that we see more things like that just in the future i love seeing movies by young black people but it was still like i guess even though it's kind of a step in the right direction i didn't really see it as a ton of real progress because i was like it's the same revenge of the nerds porkies you know what i mean animal house kind of shit but with like which is with black guys you know what i mean yeah. where i'm kind of like like even and again, like actually super bad is like actually one of my favorite movies. There are parts about like I'd say like the way that the teenage girls were represented as far as like, you know, being funny or something like that or like being kind of cool like that. Again, it was still kind of corny and lame. I will say that they had sexual situations in Superbad, actually, now that I think about it. And that actually, they did a really good job in Superbad of kind of keeping it age appropriate yeah. and making it be not creepy. But aside from the, like the nigga shit aside... I'd say a lot of the biggest missteps with the film had to do with the like the female characters and the way that they were cast and the way that they were written. Despite the fact that I thought that each woman put out a great performance. So. So overall, the film was fun. I'd say go see it. Go see it. But like. Stay woke. Stay woke. Rick, we got to have a talk. Yeah, we like <laughs> you, man. We just we, we want more. We're, we, we expect more. We had some issues with dope. We had some issues with dope. So. So. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. For listening. For listening. As we always beg, 
um, please listen, rate, and review. Yeah. Um, we definitely need your reviews. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. And I'm like, we're not asking you for money. Yeah. <laughs> so come about the, come about them reviews. I don't <laughs> make make with them reviews. Make with them ratings. But also another thing though, coming back, I, I'm I'm curious to actually hear. So tweet at us. I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on the film. I'm very curious. If you have tweeted us, send us emails. I'm very curious. I'll even read some of you young men who are probably <laughs> offended today. You can get some DMs. Uh, yeah. Oh, wait, you can just DM people that you don't. Uh, oh, you if don't you turn it you. on, you can turn. If you can turn that on, but oh, you probably shouldn't. No, I don't do that. Oh my God, I'm glad that I don't have that turned on. I don't know what sort of stuff I would get. That makes me feel better to know that I'm protected. But um, yeah, I love to hear from you. Even some of y'all who are fucking on your. I guess it's not Hotep. It's, there's got to be a new name for like the little skateboard P. Yeah, it's not Hotep. Yeah, it's obviously not Hotep. We're gonna think on it. Actually, if you have a good idea for what we should call uh, the Lost Boys. Um, let us know because like we need to there, there, there's, a, there's a growing number and I think that the next generation it might actually get worse of grown ass black men who um, who like not just aesthetically which is cool I think want to seem kind of young but also like hold the same weird thoughts and issues so thanks and we'll be back soon well no not you oh well yeah I mean I goodbye. won't be back <laughs> So the way you long, <laughs> farewell, I'll feed her saying goodbye. So, I mean, I'm probably going to be singing that soon. Goodbye. <laughs> we just lost every listener we had. That's good. They can be gone while you're gone. Uh, well, thanks. As long as you come back. So, yes, I will be <laughs> taking, this is my last episode before I spend some much-deserved time yes. with my new little baby girl. Yeah. No, I'll miss you. Uh, sure. No, I'm going to miss you, too. <laughs> I mean, I'm right. going to hear from you. Like, True. it's not like I get a break from you. Whatever. I. All right. You know what? I'm, I'm done. No, We're I hanging up the podcast. We're to... hanging up right now. We're hanging up. Goodbye, Eric. Bye. Goodbye, you guys. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 